So the Bible uh, uses multiple sports metaphors uh, throughout. You know, it talks about wrestling, boxing, running a race, both a sprint and marathon type of things. But, but uh, one uh, sport never mentioned, tennis. Uh, never mentioned in the, in the Bible, hadn't been invented yet, uh, but, but uh, I think uh, tennis makes a great metaphor for Christian living, especially as it relates to this particular subject that we've been uh, focusing on, being on mission. I mean, think of the scoring system of tennis, if you're familiar with it. They don't start at zero like every other known sport in the world, right? They start at love. Uh, so, so the basis of that is love. You keep scoring points through there. You can get to advantage, where you have advantage means you're only one point away from victory. And uh, I think that's a pretty good uh, metaphor for the Christian life, right? We start with love. We've got the advantage. We have the victory. Um, and we're going to see that especially as it relates to this area of mission. Grab your Bible, open up to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Uh, and we're not going to have time to actually dissect this passage and all the verses in it, but look at a couple key verses and the topic that it brings up uh, for us today. So follow along as I read John 16, starting at verse 7, says this. Uh, Jesus speaking says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away from you. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from of mine and will disclose it to you. Father God, thank you again for the opportunity we have this morning to worship and to focus on who you are. We pray that uh, you would be our teacher through this time of preaching. Open your word to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so we are uh, nearing the finish of, of this series on being on mission. It, it's been my hope and prayer throughout that these messages have been, you know, not only eye-opening, but also encouraging. And beyond that, it's been my goal to, to hopefully remove a lot of the guilt and fear that is associated with this whole idea of, of sharing our faith, um, as well as ho- hopefully providing some positive motivation to do it. And, and so... I'm just going to take you on the path that we've covered. In order to do that, in order to accomplish that, I started with the fact that every single one of us, if you're a believer, I mean, if you are a child of God, every single one of us is called to be on mission. Uh, That's what uh, Jesus said when he said, as the Father has sent me, so so also I send you. Uh, And then... After that, we, we discovered where we're supposed to be on mission, which, as it turns out, is everywhere. Uh, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Basically, the idea is wherever you are, that's where you're on mission. And since you spend most of your time in your hometown, 
than right here, Hot Springs or Edgemont or Custer or whatever your hometown is. That is your primary mission field. Um, then we looked at exactly what it is we're called to do, and that is to be his witnesses. Uh, a witness is someone that talks about uh, and tells about their own experience, uh, what they've seen or heard or felt. And we discovered that uh, the primary way, again, uh, of being that witness is in simple one-sentence type statements that can bring God into the conversation. Like if someone says to you, man, I, I can't believe that you didn't just blow up at that guy. Uh, you could say, yeah, I really had to bite my tongue. Or you could choose to, to witness to God and what He's done in your life by saying something like, yeah, God has really helped me to overcome my anger or be more gracious or whatever it is that God's helped you to do. And, and that's not too scary, is it? I mean, that's something we can all do. Uh, it just takes a, a little bit of intentional thinking and, and practice. But in addition then to being his witness, uh, that particular Sunday we also noted one other thing uh, that we're supposed to do from Matthew twenty-eight nineteen: go therefore and make disciples. And at the time we didn't focus a whole lot on that uh, passage except to say that uh, making a disciple biblically is, is the same thing as bringing someone to Christ. But I did promise we're going to get back to that concept uh, uh, again and, and look at it more in depth, and that's what we're going to begin to do this Sunday and, and then uh, finish next Sunday. However, uh, there's a few other topics that we covered to get to this point, and so we, we want to continue the review real quick here so we make sure we set the stage uh, properly, the context properly. The next thing we looked at is the fact that if we are going to be on mission here, we need to start thinking like a missionary. Uh, picture uh, picture a, a group of missionaries or a missionary going for the very first time into some remote village in the jungles of Ecuador or whatever, right? When they walk into that place, what are they going to do? They're going to they're gonna look around and they're going to observe everything they can to try to figure out an answer to the question, how am I going to reach these people for Christ? That's thinking like a missionary when we do that. Just as the Apostle Paul observed the people around him and, and used what he learned uh, in, in order to vary his approach to people, so we need, also need to pay attention to people uh, that are around us. What do we see? What do we learn that might help us be able to connect to them and reach with them? And then we started looking at practical ways that we can be on mission. And the very first foundational, most important practical step in being on mission is to pray right? Because only God uh, can um, change a person's heart. Only God can save someone. And, and, and so uh, we looked at that five-second prayer. If you're here that Sunday, you might remember the Pastor Neil Brower uh, did. Father, please send your Holy Spirit to work in the heart of this person. You can fill in the blank with their name. Draw him to Jesus and make him a kingdom laborer. So the, the reality is you can, you can be on mission right now just by praying that prayer for the people you know or meet or come into contact with uh, in the day. And the idea of that, of course, is not just to, okay, I prayed that prayer once and now I'm done with that person, right? It, it, the idea is that you continue, uh, continually pray that for that person. Every time you think about them, every time you see them, every time you meet them, uh, you, you silently, quickly pray that prayer in your mind. But then there's a second half to it. You pray, but then we want to watch, right? You, you watch for what God is doing. And, and when you see God doing something, that's when you can and should 
join in with Him. I mean, it's a lot easier to be on mission when you're just joining God with what He's already doing than if you're trying to force the issue yourself and, and do it all upon yourself. Uh, then we spent three Sundays looking at how it is that we can build bridges with people all around us. Uh, and and we, we can build bridges by bringing God into the conversation, right? In natural, non-threatening ways. That's what the outflow book that our uh, adult groups are doing called Flinging Seeds. Uh, another big bridge-building exercise is listening to people. I mean, that's just one of the most powerful ways of letting them know that you care about them and, and, and that you're interested in them by listening to them. And, and that can be hard because most of the time, uh, rather than listening, we're, we're already trying to figure out the arguments that we're going to use to correct all their uh, mistakes and the things that are going wrong, right? The things they believe that's wrong. But this is where we need to remember that it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, not ours. So we are often better served to bite our tongue and wait for the right time, right? When God gives the opportunity before trying to correct those things. Another way to build a bridge to people is to serve people. Meet meet a need. Uh, Go to Seven Sisters or the State Home and Talk to some lonely people. Volunteer in some organization that needs help. Join a club. Do something where you can meet and connect with people other than your already Christian friends, your church family and other Christian friends. And then the last uh, way we looked at to build bridges was uh, in reference to God's kindness and generosity to people, right? Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Specific acts of kindness and generosity are, are good ways to, to make an open door for the gospel. And, and they, of course, are not the gospel in and of themselves. Instead, they just act as like a plank in the bridge uh, to the gospel. Um, but, of course, in, in order for those acts of kindness to have any real spiritual value, uh, other, rather than just simply being a nice gesture, uh, it does have to somehow be tied in with your faith in God or, or, or in God's love for us somehow. So just for an example, again, our BLT, which if you're not familiar with the lingo is what we call our adult small groups, um, ours chose to try to begin building some bridges with some, some of those people who serve our community. And so we made a bunch of uh, plates of homemade uh, cookies and treats and, and we took them down to City Hall and the election board on Tuesday night, the ones that had to stay after and count all the votes after the polls closed, uh, the ambulance service, and the library. And we sent them this plate of cookies for their break room just as a way to, to bless them and encourage them. And with it, we included just a little note, and I wasn't the one that wrote the note, so I don't remember exactly what it said, but something like, we appreciate your service to our community. God bless your friends at Southern Hills Evangelical Free Church. Okay? No gospel presentation in there, but it could be a part of the bridge connecting to those people. Maybe just one plank in, in that bridge. And, and um, 
we want to look for those practical ways to be able to do that. We've got a book in the pastor that anybody is free to take if they want to look at 101 ways to reach a community. It's not that you have to do those things, but maybe stimulate your thinking. What could I do in Hot Springs that will build a bridge to somebody that needs to know Jesus Christ? Uh, those are the things we're looking for. Uh, those are pr- all practical ideas that we can, uh, all of us, easily implement into our lives. And by the way, most of these things are, are meant to be done with someone else, not just by yourself, a, a partner, a, a small group, or whatever. Um, uh, everywhere the Bible talks about being on mission, almost everywhere the Bible talks about being on mission, it's always within a partnership, a group. Um, we need each other because God created us with all different skills and gifts and talents, and so working together makes us the most effective in that. Um, but anyways, uh, these practical ideas you can implement in your lives right now, uh, but in order for us to do that, we, we must be focused and intentional about it. And last week, we looked at four different harmful attitudes that, that if we harbor them towards outsiders, would, would kill this ability to be on mission. Uh, and those dangerous attitudes were uh, separating from non-Christians, you know, with a, with a uh, us versus them thinking or blending in with non-Christians, you know, so there's virtually no difference between your life and that of the world or, or trying to rule over non-Christians, you know, forcing our biblical standards on them even though they're, they're not Christians yet. They, they, there's no reason they should follow biblical standards in their mind and, and thinking. And, and then finally ignoring them as, as if their souls didn't matter to God. I mean, these are attitudes that we cannot have or maintain if we want to be on mission. So, there you have it. If you missed the last nine weeks, you just got caught up in one crash course. Not that I want you to get in the habit of coming every tenth week uh, just, just to do that, but, but that sets the stage uh, for where we're at. And, and so, um, there's one other issue that we, we lightly touched on that I want to look at today and next Sunday as, as we finish this up, up this series. And it's that area that is a source of fear for so many people. It's the whole issue of, well, what do I say? Right? What, what, do, what do I say? If I'm consistently praying for God to send His Holy Spirit to, to work in someone's heart, and then I'm watching to see what God's going to do, and if I'm out there flinging seeds by casually bringing God up in conversations, and if I'm building bridges, listening to people, serving and showing God's love and generosity in, in, in tangible, practical ways, the distinct possibility exists that someone, somewhere along the way, is going to ask me a question about faith in God, right? And, and, and that is, is our great hope. I mean, that's our desire. That's what we're shooting for. We want people to ask questions. As the, the Apostle Peter reminded us, he said, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. See, the, the whole uh, reason we are flinging seeds and building bridges is the hopes that someone will ask us about it. And according to this verse, again, it is those people who ask that that's the ones that we should be then defending our faith to and, and what it is that we believe. And that takes a lot of stress off of us, doesn't it? Because uh, we're only telling them because they asked. They gave us permission. And, and so we don't have to feel like we're barging in where we're not wanted. So the point is, when people ask, we ought to be able to say something, right? And that's the part that can seem scary. And it's often the hypothetical 
what if questions that scare us the most, right? What if they ask a question that I can't answer? What if they argue with me by bringing up some teachings from some other religion and I don't know anything about that? Or, or even worse, what if they bring up some controversial point from the Bible, some, some uh, controversial verse or subject in there and I don't know anything about that? What, what if? What if they want to get they want to know how to get saved. Well, what do I tell them then? So it's my desire between the last few minutes of today and next Sunday that hopefully we can answer some of those questions and alleviate some of those fears. And I think the first thing to keep in mind is that God wouldn't have told us to be ready to give an answer if it was something he knew we couldn't do right? He's not going to command us to do something that is beyond our ability to do, or it might be beyond our ability in itself, but it's not beyond our capability because of who he is. That verse that Peter wrote, to defend, be ready to give an answer, that was written to the whole church, every Christian, not just the pastors or the leaders. No matter how timid or inadequate you may feel, The truth is, you can do it. And the reason you can do it is because you have the advantage. That's that's what Jesus taught his followers before he left, right? Look at uh, what he said there in John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. So let's just stop there for one quick minute. When Jesus begins his statement by saying, I tell you the truth, that doesn't mean that maybe there were some other times when he didn't. Okay, that's, that's, not what's, what, that's not what's going on there, right? It's just a, a common way of emphasizing uh, that what he was saying was real and true, even though at first glance it might appear to be otherwise, right? And, and it's similar. I mean, we do that all the time as well, right? Uh, we, we, if we have something incredible uh, to report and, and we don't think people would necessarily believe it, we say what? Why not? Well, we say that, or we say, man, I swear it. I swear you, this is it. This is true, right? Does that mean because you say, I, I swear it, that the rest of the time you don't tell the truth? No, obviously not. But when we have to say something that at first doesn't seem to make sense, well, we want to emphasize then that it really is true to this person we're sharing it with. And that's what Jesus was doing here. So what was it that he was about to say that would seem hard to believe for his followers? Well, look again, right? It says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Well, that doesn't seem to make sense at all. That's why he had to say, I'm telling you the truth. What? It's to our advantage that he goes away? I mean, have you ever thought how nice it would be if Jesus... We're here physically, so, you know, we could see him and touch him and, and listen to him and talk to him. Or, or maybe you dream about, boy, it would be so awesome uh, uh, if we could go back to that time when Jesus did physically walk on the earth and could be a part of all that and see him. And, and, and we think, oh, man, that would be so awesome. That would be so much greater. And Jesus says, no, uh, just the opposite is true. It's to your advantage that I'm not here physically. Now, why would that be? Well, he goes on to explain. For if I 
do not go away. The helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. The, the helper uh, is a name for the Holy Spirit. I mean, some English translations of the Bible uh, translate the word helper or advocate or, or comforter, but it's all talking about the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is paraclete, and it literally means one who comes alongside. Uh, and that's why it's you know, often translated with those other words, helper, advocate, comforter, that's it. Someone who comes alongside. I like the way the contemporary English version of the Bible translates this verse. Jesus says, but I tell you that I'm going to do what is best for you. That is why I'm going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you unless I leave. But after that, I, I'm, after I'm gone, I will send the Spirit to you. So why is it to our advantage? Because, see, the Holy Spirit takes up residence right inside of us every moment of every day for every single believer. And the Holy Spirit, as this verse says, is our helper. He enables us to do what we could not do by our own abilities and in our own strength. There are many ways that the Spirit helps us, that the Bible highlights. I mean, just a couple of them. Acts 9.31 says, And going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it, the church, continued to increase. You ever needed comforting and nobody was around to give it to you? Well, that's part of the Holy Spirit's job. He's always there with you. Or Romans 8.26 tells us the Spirit helps us to pray. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness where we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. If you're ever at a loss uh, for words when it comes to praying for something that is just very difficult, very personal in your life, very complicated, that's okay. The Holy Spirit will take over when you can't articulate the things you want to say to God. But in terms of our our subject for today, that you know, fear of, well, what do I do if someone, what do I say if someone asks me a question about faith, Jesus, the Bible? Well, that's, that's where the Holy Spirit is really our advantage. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Maybe you've had this experience, you know, someone is, is talking with you and, and as you're going on in the course of conversation, things are getting um, a little bit more deep, a little more personal and all of a sudden they bring up a subject or a topic or ask them some question and immediately internally you're, you're going, oh man, I don't know what to say about that. But you're in the middle of this conversation, you're talking, so you keep talking and when it's all done and said, after it's all over, you look back at that and say, I don't know where that came from, but I was able to just... Tell them exactly what they needed there. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what He does for us. He brings to our remembrance the truths that we've learned in order to be able to share those with people at just the right time. Look at our passage again in John 16, verse 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. You don't have to have all the answers because the Holy Spirit is going to guide you in what you should say, even if what you should say at some particular time is, oh, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, that's okay. We can look it up if you want or we can ask somebody else. But He'll guide you to say that. Don't worry about what you might not know. The Holy Spirit will give you what you do need to know, right? Now, that 
doesn't mean that we shouldn't prepare. I mean, John 14, 26 did say that Jesus is going to bring to our remembrance the things that we learned from him. The basic, uh, that basic preparation and having some foundation, that's, that's what we're going to finish with next week. But one last thought as we finish up for today, and we can keep this one brief because we did look at it before. There's one more important reason why we have the advantage when it comes to interactions about faith like this. You might think the other person is intimidating with their questions, but you have something they don't have, the Holy Spirit. And verse 9 or 8 says, and He, when He comes, will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. See, that's, that's another job of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who does the hard work of changing a person's heart, of, of helping them to understand their sin and, and what real righteousness is. He's the one that does that. It's not about you and how well you can answer their questions or how perfectly you can present the information. Uh, it's about letting God do what only He can do. And, and yes, He does want to use you, but He through the Holy Spirit, will provide everything you need. It doesn't matter if you're a wimp because the Holy Spirit is not. It doesn't matter if you're timid because the Holy Spirit is not. It doesn't matter if you get tongue-tied. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to say. See, this whole thing is not about us or our abilities. It is about the power of God working in and through us in the person of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the weaker we are, the better it is because that shows God's power. And Jesus, He wanted us to be confident in this truth. I mean, He repeated it many times over. That's why He said in Acts 1.8, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, that's why we are able to be His witnesses. When we trust God in and through uh, uh, working in our lives through the Holy Spirit, we can uh, you know, fling those seeds with confidence because He's the one that has to come through, not us, right? For me, I mean, that does a lot to take the pressure off and the fear out of being on mission. So we start with love, the foundational aspect. God loved you. God loved the world. Because God loved the world, we can love Him and we can love one another. And so we start with the foundation of love, but then we you know we have the advantage, the Holy Spirit living right inside of us, and we'll end with victory, game, set, and match. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for, for the fact that it is your ability, your power, your presence working in and through us that makes the difference. God, we, we do want to be prepared, and so we, we pray that as we look at that next week, you would open our hearts and minds for all of that. But right now, God, Establish in our hearts and minds that perfect love casts out fear and you have loved us perfectly. And it's because of that and your presence within us that we can be on mission, that we can 
impact our friends and neighbors and coworkers and community. Because it's not us, it's you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.